Hi, I'm Lindsay Boyd, and I'm known for shifting the world into a new era through the eyes of brands, building brands to shift industries. I've been invited on by the beautiful Renee to talk about the world of travel and how that's moving into a new era of trade. is a serial entrepreneur, a die-hard optimist, and I would say a visionary. She's author of a fantastic book called Brand Famous, and she's founder of The One Earth, which is a platform for good. She's known for building famous brands, and she's working really closely with the luxury travel industry right now. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me on your show today, Renee. Absolutely. And look, tell us why you're getting involved with the luxury travel industry and how you're contributing to the different brands and helping them out of the big crisis they've been in. Look, my passion and, and vision has always been to shift the world into a new era through the eyes of brands, to literally build brands that were going to shift industries. And during the pandemic, um, a lovely lady called Julie King came through my business school in Australia. And I met with her virtually and we talked about what would it be like to reshape the future of the travel tourism sector. And then obviously the pandemic hit and you know, global recession, the industry got decimated probably more than most industries did. And, and I've been working with pretty much every single industry sector. And we came together and decided that we would join up and literally bring the business, bring the industries together to be able to reshape the future and to help switch their businesses over from 20th century thinking to 21st century thinking, to lead with impact and purpose and remodel their businesses so they could move from a place of old school competition to a place of collaboration and literally come together and shift the industry together. And what specific changes do you see and the shifts that you see into the future of travel? It's an interesting industry because there's many, many industries ready for the change. And this one probably has the most dynamic changes that, that can come. So there's different perspectives that you can look at one side from the business models themselves, the fact that you were a thriving industry pre pandemic so to actually now look at the trends and the needs of the market, how people are traveling in a new way, how digital nomad has moved into families and no longer just into Gen Z, how people are in travel and they're now looking at travel in a new way how do you travel sustainably and consciously and so how do people that are in the industry have a face in that how does the industry no longer sit in a space of being faceless which it was you know people kind of sat behind their brands and you didn't really see the people of the brands per se and if you did see the people of the brands it was more around them selling something and the trend is moving more to a conscious awakening people being conscious about how they travel and so forth and they want to know who they're buying from 
What's their purpose? Who are they? What's their face? What do they stand for? And the culture. I mean, let's take Four Seasons, for example. Bill Gates recently bought a big chunk of that, you know, business. Um, should he be fronting the brand? Should he be talking about travel? Is that what you're suggesting just as a random example? Actually, I'm talking more about the people inside the organization than the big famous Bill Gates. To be honest, when you are parallel or in line with somebody with a name like Bill Gates, you know, it could go one of two ways, depending on where you sit. And so what I'm talking about is more the internal people of the organization, the culture of the organization. We say bring the brand internally and actually campaign the culture externally, but allow people to have a voice. What do they stand for? What do they want to be known for? How do they want to show up and align that with the macro voice of the brand? When you do that, these organizations like the Four Seasons that have how many people working with them, Renee? Thousands. Thousands, right? Globally. Can, yeah, globally. Can you imagine each one of them is really an advocate for the Four Seasons? Each person that works there is a channel to market. They have their own networks. They have their own brand online. And if they thought about each person as a recognizable channel, they would access market that they would never access before because each person has their own demographic. Yeah, that's we so all true. know now. Yeah, we all know that micro communities, hundreds of people, not thousands of people can have more engagement on their networks than thousands of people that sit there that actually aren't speaking at all. Yeah, that's interesting. And do you feel the same way about luxury brands? For example, the Chanel's I'm thinking we, we recently interviewed one of the GMs of a fantastic hotel in Paris called Le Grand. And he has been in the industry for years and years. And Le Grand is the oldest, most luxury five-star hotel. It's owned by Intercontinental. And he was saying Paris is still the home to luxury in the world. And so how do you see that, you know, world of luxury in Paris fitting into what you're saying? Look, the luxury world is also moving at a pace. And there's an interesting conversation around mm. that. They need to realize that people want to engage with the world of, and this is one of the conversations I've been having in that place. It's no longer that people just want to buy an item of clothing from Chanel, as an example. Yeah. They want to know where it's sourced, who, who's the factory? How do I see the end to end of the supply chain? And with that, they want transparency of trade. And that means that brands like in the luxury space are going to need to move to the world of and be on and offline so that you can access all of the brand and not just the product. That's really, really interesting. So how do they do that? I mean, a Chanel just pulling them out of the air as one brand, there's so many, um, you know, are they going to have to show us their factories? Is that what you're suggesting? Like we'll see you know, advertisements or something for, for a Chanel bag with it, with it coming off the production line wherever it's made in France? So what we've been talking about is it's a lot easier to be able to do this now because the world is on and offline. So you can have online platforms where you can actually even, if you wanted to, put some goggles on and go into the VR of the factory. You could meet the factory owner. You would be able to see the production line. And because of conscious consumption, I mean, I just spoke recently for a very large bank. I was their keynote talking about the circular economy. And 
people are waking up consciously around what they're consuming, how they're traveling, what they're bringing into their homes, even what they're sitting on. And so in order to be able to keep up with that customer demand, brands are gonna to need to be more transparent of the whole of the supply chain. And if you put that into your world, the travel industry, the plane, how it's getting there, who are they bringing, who are the people that work in the organization, can we see the people and so forth. So do you think then that, you know, the, the mid-tier or lower-end travel brands, I mean, let's talk about airlines because that's what you're talking about, and I guess we can all, almost transfer the conversation and talk in parallel about fashion. Do you think those mass market brands are then just not going to be in demand eventually because people are going to be conscious and say, I want to make a better choice? Well, we talk about different positionings of brands. So you have a lifestyle brand, a diffusion brand, a luxury brand, which we've just talked about, and a dis disruptor brand. There's always a place in the market for what we would describe as the diffusion brand. In our world, in, I'm, I'm based in the UK, we've got those low-cost airlines like EasyJet, Ryanair, you know, and, and they're all over the world. People will obviously still want to have high margin, um, you know, low-cost travel, but people will still want to demand consciousness, even from those people. And they will want to know where things are going and to know that they are being ethical in how they are providing their services and so forth. It's happening in fast fashion. It's happening in many industries. You've seen many retail shops now switch over that are in that diffusion space and have to be transparent in the supply chain. And how do you think, I mean, you know, travel has just had such a battering and one of the biggest hurdles for luxury and even non-luxury travel brands, I'm thinking about hotels and even airlines, is staff. So many people have exited those industries. And I mean, we're seeing a global trend where I've just been in Europe, I've been in Asia, I'm in Australia today. And the problem with the airlines is global. They're all running late, flights are cancelled, you know, luggage is disappearing. I mean, how, you know, are they going to alleviate those problems, attract staff and then pivot in the way that you're describing, describing to become more sustainable and a different type of luxury brand? Interestingly, uh, look, I, I, you know, I'm a trend specialist, so I've, I've been talking about trends when we were coming out right in two years ago when, you know, we, and I came out and spoke about conscious consumption. But obviously the great resignation, we spoke about that two and a half years ago that it was coming. And now I think it's 50% in America, 40% in Australia and 30% in Europe. So it is a global trend. It's a massive problem for all industry sectors. What I've been saying to people is when you build a business around purpose and impact, you will attract people to your brand and they will want to stay with you. It, it is proven now that purpose-led organizations grow faster and they retain staff a lot more. And the reason for that is particularly the younger generation, the next generation, they are much more conscious or purposeful around who they work with and where they stay. And they're not as, um, they're more fickle. So they'll leave a lot quicker if they don't get their priorities met, their needs met. So if these businesses and brands start switching over a lot quicker to being more purpose and impact led. Now, Renee, that's not, so it's just a marketing strap line and then you scratch underneath the surface and really they're still the same business as they were before, but it drives into everything they do. 
it should slowly take a turn and you will start to see airlines and organizations that do this win the market and start right. to attract people. We're already seeing it attract and retain staff a lot quicker. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, again, you know, another hotel brand, which I work with a lot is the Dorchester Group. What are the steps that they do? They promote their staff in-house. They give their staff a voice. They allow their staff to communicate on their own social media, you're saying, about the brand in ways that are appropriate. And, and I mean, what, what else can they do to, to really, um, you know, do what you're, you're suggesting? My world was, um, I brought businesses back that were um, renovation businesses. So I worked with Geeves and Hawks, Pringle of Scotland, many, many, many heritage brands over the years. And the Dorchester for me is a heritage brand. Yes. It's a brand that could easily come back and exceed its former glory. I mean, they're a fantastic organization anyway. And the biggest thing that these organizations, they're terrified of their staff and the people inside the organization speaking because of what they might say online and so forth. Yes. But what I say to people is that they already have a voice. Everybody is now a brand. Just Google people. Everybody's now being Googled. And so these types of brands need to move into 21st century and recognize that if they lead with the business culture, they do need to switch their business DNA over to be able to lead with impact and purpose and drive that into the business model, not just a strap line, and then bring that inside the organization so everybody realizes the vision of the brand, what it stands for, what it wants to be known for, and then design the micro voices of the people. What you will then find, and I have done this many, many times over, they have retention of staff a lot because they've empowered their people to have a voice. They understand what their voice stands for because it aligns with the business brand. And I say to people, when you do that, what you're then able to do is have brand culture because those people wouldn't be working in that hotel unless they had some alliance with that brand. What Otherwise, why are they there? So you find you have amazing brand culture and then that empowers the staff and everybody inside the organization and you align the business brand and the people brands to then pull the market in. And that moves you from a push business model having to sell onto the market to a pull business model that attracts the market into you. Yeah, look, it makes perfect sense and actually sounds very exciting. And I'm interested to know, what is your relationship with travel? Because I know that prior to the pandemic, you were traveling globally speaking, um, which of course had to stop as it did for everybody. But do you like traveling and where do you like traveling to? Oh, I love traveling. Um, from a young age, in my second business, I was 21 to 24 and I manufactured my shoes in Korea and I set up two, two distribution channels in Japan. So I was very fortunate at a young age to travel the world with my second company. And then my third company, look, I was in the industry of fashion retail. So I got to travel the world with, you know, all these incredible brands. I was very fortunate and um, built my career up and then obviously got asked to speak on the global stage. So I have been to most places. My heart, I think, is in Australia. I have my company over there and I just, I love the Aussies. I love Australia. I've been over many times. I'm from many schools over there. I would love to go to India. It's one place I've never been and I would absolutely would love to go 
but have been to many places. And, you know, I'm also conscious about how we're traveling. I've got two mm -hmm. kids and the trend I do believe um, is this digital nomad for families. And if somebody cracks the trend that you can travel with your families and it's no longer just about linear travel, just organizing the travel, but organize the education, homeschooling, we all got used to doing. So how do I homeschool and travel? Organize the co-working. How do I live and work and be in a place for two months, three months, but with my children? Because we can all, not all, but many of us can now work in different countries because of being online that we could never do before because we all got used to being in, on Zoom in the pandemic. No, 100%. And I'm seeing in Asia that a lot of um, the international schools are offering more exchange programs. I know that one of my kids is looking into that, you know, to going for sort of five months. I mean, why not? Why is not? And that's, that will crack travel. And that will be the game changer of travel because that way families and families that have the money then, don't they, where, you know, you would be putting them potentially into a private school or something like that. They might think twice about how they're educating their kids and they might do exchanges with different schools and travel in a different way. No, absolutely. I think I totally agree. I think our mindset has shifted about everything and travel really in a lot of ways underpins that thinking, whether it's education or, you know, the way we work, as you said, you know, a whole lot of things. And for you personally, what, what is luxury travel something that you value? I think I hugely value luxury travel more than I ever have now in my entire life, I have to say. We were very fortunate and went on a beautiful holiday. We had, Obviously, nobody had been away for two and a half years, including us. And we managed to go um, to St. Lucia, actually, at Christmas time. And I think I nearly cried standing on the beach there. I have never appreciated being in a place like that in my entire life as much as that holiday. I appreciated the trees and the sand and the water. Absolutely stunning, like a little island there. What I would say is, you know, the world is opening up and obviously I'm fortunate to be able to travel with my work and to speak around the world. But I do now appreciate travel much more. And I would say that people now want more bespoke holidays so I know it's gone into this kind of race to the bottom again of pricing you know in in the kind of industry but I would say be brave because people want the other side of travel people want to have more of a bespoke travel try not to think about it linear you know so just organizing the flight but can you help people to be away for a month or two months with their family Think about where they want to go, how they want to go, how are they going to work, how are they going to be with the kids, what are the kids going to do, and then could you put another layer of consciousness in there? Like I would love to take my kids and be able to see a school or something. You know, you know, obviously I teach and, I, and in my heart of education. Could I take them over to Bali? I mean, my friends live over there, but to the Green School, and yes. could they do? thing at the green school over there so think about incorporating conscious traveling for families and that way you would get that bespoke high priced ticket per yes. se it brings you out of the race to the bottom but it's more curated and it creates trust and loyalty then with your clients because then you're the go-to person that they're always going to come to for for any of their travel needs and really what you're talking about is people using travel agents again. So everything old is new again. 
Before the pandemic, everyone was booking their own flights, all the apps, but it's now, particularly with the problems of the flights, that people are realising it's not worth it. You book your flight, you might save a bit of money, as you said, the race to the bottom to get the cheapest deal, but if that flight's cancelled, there's not enough staff to take your call, you can't rebook it, you need the agent. Exactly. And I do believe, you know, I always used to say to people, um, heritage, I came from, you know, worked with renovation businesses, look at the heritage, look at all the greatness and then do modernity. How do you modernize what was there? So if it's back to agencies, it's not back to agencies in the old school way of how it used to be, but think about moving from linear to circular is what I talk about. How do you change how people are traveling to think about consciousness and so forth, but back to the agency and that bespoke way of doing things. No, 100%. Can you share with us one of your travel memories, perhaps from a long time ago, that, that was really special to you? Uh, Japan was one of them. I got to stay in the uh, Park Hyatt and uh, I stayed Where there. Where the movie was filmed, Lost in Translation? Where the movie was filmed, Lost in Translation. I was 21 to 24. I had two distributors over there that were distributing my shoes and my shoes were pretty famous at the time. So they, you know, they... We stayed at that hotel and it was really sensational. You know, it was so different because you're really up in the sky. Yes, and, uh, and then that movie came out and I went, oh my gosh, that's where I stayed. And yeah. Japan, you know, I got to be there when I was 21. You know, I mean, it was so different. And in Korea, you know, Korea is not Korea like it is today. Korea is more like Japan now. Yeah. Um, but when I went to Korea, it was, you know, it's changed so much. I ran a Korean school three years ago and it, I couldn't believe the changes of Korea from when I was there. Really? So yeah, that was, Japan's got a huge, massive heart for me because yeah. I spent so many years there. That was just incredible. Yeah, no, I do love it. I haven't, you know, we haven't been able to get in for so long. I'm oh. very keen, keen to go back. Then Korea is somewhere I want to go because, of course, K-beauty and K-everything, particularly in Asia, is huge. It's basically a world leader in so many different categories. It's, yeah, because I think you have such an innovative new approach. And one of the things I love, we haven't even talked about your background, but you don't come from a traditional educational point of view. You don't have an MBA. I don't, have you been to college? I don't think you've been at all, have you? no. So I left school at the very young age of 15 with no qualifications. And, I, and um, uh, the man who I was working with in a Saturday job persuaded me to leave school. And the next thing I'm running his shop at 16. And then at 18, I opened my first retail shop. That's how I got into retail and brought diesel and replay into the north of England. And I really did learn on the shop floor, so to speak. I was buying in Paris and Milan and with my business partner and they thought I was the Saturday girl and I owned the shop. And so, um, and then I sold that, set my second company up, which was in footwear manufacturing. We spotted a gap in the market for fashion sneakers, had them in seven distribution channels in the design museum and sold the company to Caterpillar when I was 24. Wow. And then I spent 19 years building, renovating, and refreshing some of the most famous brands on the high street so just an amazing story Lindsay and when you're renovating brands as you call it what really is the biggest challenge a renovation business means that you have to literally it's like a house you're buying a house and the whole house needs renovating when you refresh a business you're doing you're painting it so the house is fine the plumbing's fine and all the you know but you're literally giving it a once over paint and then you're putting it back out back out to market 
So think about that for your business. A renovation business is everything. You have to do the whole thing again, but keeping the essence, the beauty of the house. So, you know, all the features and fittings, what made it great, but re-renovating the whole thing to literally move it into a new era so that it can stand there for another 150 years. And I teach people to build a business that's a refresher business. So you're constantly refreshing the business because a lot of people end up being a re renovation business because they haven't been able to, for one reason or another, keep up with the trends or be able to move their business model fast enough. And so the whole business model needs renovating. This is really applies to every, every business in the travel industry, what you're describing. Yeah. And that's why when Julie and I partnered up, there's many hotels that I believe could be doing so, so well if they just hooked on to what they're great, what's their greatness, what's their DNA is what I say, but then really look at what the brand asset is, what's the equity value of the business, what are the products that want intangible and tangible, what's the route to market, what's the new channel system that's not just one route to market, one product, yeah. one channel, and then what's the sales process, the pricing, the packaging, positioning, and ultimately, how are you campaigning? And you need to campaign in a different way. It's not sales-led campaigns, it's brand-led. But, but also... For, for most of Europe, it perhaps doesn't apply to Australia quite as much. The market is completely different. Russia's not traveling. You know, the war in the Ukraine, you know, Brexit. There's, you know, been major, major things um, and crises that are affecting who is traveling where compared to, say, two and a half, three years ago. The main thing that people need to do now is move from that headspace of competition and move into collaboration. And I yes. talk about the, even the unconventional collaboration, collaborating with people you would never have thought in your wildest dreams that you would collaborate with, and you now are. And the reason for that is people need to get together and create movements. They yes. don't need to be big yes. movements. They can be small movements, but brands need to move to movements so that they can create their communities, they can then campaign together and they can lead industries. The change point will come from the people and it will not come from the institutions because people lead and break the trends, then the consumer demand hits and then the institutions move because of the consumer demand. So it so needs to come from the people. To throw you in the deep end, give us an example before you go of, you know, some brand type of collaborations that might work in travel. Oh, gosh. I mean, look, I'll give you one that's not in travel and then I'll give you one yep. for travel. So sure. the company Lanzatech, who's in the biochemistry business, and they have managed to get their waste and put it into a fabric and sell the fabric to Zara. Wow. The biochemistry, right? In my wildest dreams, I would have never thought that a partnership in the bio world would ever go into the fashion wow. world in the retail space. Now that fascinated me because it was my old world. Granted, yes. I now work any industry sector, any size, but my old world, I spent a lot of time in that. So in the travel industry, what I would say to people is think about your business circularly. And that means how are you giving back to the planet and so forth? What can you do differently with your business? So not just a linear approach. And then think about the unconventional partnerships that would come. As an example, 
I want to travel. I have a family. I want to educate my kids. What partnerships could you do with education, with schools, with yes. freelancers that are homeschooling that you could partner with the travel industry? So think about unconventional partnerships that are no longer a linear approach to travel, which yes. is... I'm going to partner with another person that's going to be able to provide my services of travel and think about the different upside down business model of a circular end to end business model. Yeah, look, it's it's fascinating and everything you're saying makes sense. And it's just so wonderful to have such fresh ideas at a time when, you know, for a lot of people in a lot of industries, not just travel, you know, people are lacking ideas and, and not feeling all that great about the future. Agreed. I mean, what I would say is, and you've been through our business schools, but anyone that wants to come through, we, you know, we, we are a global business, but we're a global platform. We did manage to get One Earth Global live during a pandemic as well, where a few thousand businesses globally came around us that were dropping like flies and we helped them to bring them back, you know, to actually a lot of them were, you know, recording record sales. So for people that are struggling, that think, oh, if they're listening to this podcast, oh my gosh, there's no hope. I don't know what to do anymore. Reach out. We're on all social channels and, you know, we'll, we'll help you and point you in the right directions. Fantastic, Lindsay. And before you go, we ask everyone, where to from here? What are you doing today? What are you up to? Oh, today it's the Queen's Jubilee. Wow. <laughs> and so um, we've, got our, um, uh, we've got our bank holiday here. Um, I am, so I'll be probably eating cucumber sandwiches on our street because there's a big street party that's taking place this afternoon. But um, in August, I'm going over to Bali for a month and we're looking to try and run an event over there. You know, we can invite the travel industry over there as well. And my friends um, actually have their kids in the green school. Mm. So I will be trying to chuck my kids in there and doing some kind of green projects whilst I'm... Um, in Bali and looking at running some retreats and things over there. Yeah, that's an amazing school. I have friends uh, with kids in that school. It's in Ubud in oh. Bali. And it's very, very famous for being, you know, left to field in a very positive way and, you know, breaking tradition, as are a lot of international schools, particularly in Indonesia, actually. So um, I'll be really interested to see what you come up with. Thank you. I will be posting them and I'll share all the pictures with you. Brilliant, brilliant. Lindsay, I might even see you in Bali. We'll see how we go. Yes, well, that's what I'm hoping to get a retreat running over there with you. That would be wonderful and get you speaking with us. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Lindsay. It's wonderful to chat with you. Enjoy your cucumber sandwiches today and hope to see you soon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you very much to your audience for listening. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe here and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for regular travel updates. You can also hear our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.